Welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive features Louisville and Central Catholic this week. Look for Goodwill trailers set up at each school throughout week 10 to receive donations of clothes and housewares. The trailers will be open from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. through Thursday and from 7 a.m. to noon on Friday. An exciting week 10 awaits Stark County area teams. We've got McKinley Maslin for the 129th time. We have several teams playing for a chance to extend their season into the playoffs, and we have some league titles up for grabs. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo from the Rep and Chris Easterling from the Maslin Independent. We're here to break it all down, and we'll obviously start off with McKinley and Maslin for the 129th time. Last uh, three, four meetings have been really, really close games, and I don't uh, know that we should expect anything different this week, Joe, but the way Maslin has steamrolled through its schedule, I guess there is a you know a, a decent chance, too, that this game could get out of hand. Yeah, it's interesting because if McKinley would have won last week like we expected, it would have been 9-0, 9-0, and, and yet we still would have thought, okay, yeah, Maslin by, by two touchdowns or so. So I think that speaks to the dominance that, that the Tigers have shown this year. And and certainly you know, McKinley's good, but when you watch him, you, you see a good football team, but not a not a historic one. And I think that's what they probably have over in Maslin, or at least their best team in, in at least a decade, I would think. Yeah, we're bringing Chris here to talk about Maslin real quick, kind of playing off that point, Joe. This has a feel of kind of a generational-type team that uh, – that you just don't have every day. I mean, both these communities always have good teams year in, year out, but there are those special teams that come along every so often. Yeah, this team is uh, – I think it's it's even exceeded some of the, the guys on the team's expectations of how good they are. You know, I, they obviously were talking before the season, ring chasing and all, all of that, but, but I don't think you, they saw just – Outside of the East St. Louis game, just absolutely rolling over opponents the way they have on their way to the nine and zero, and and the fact we're even talking about this this game against, which is I think a really good McKinley team, that there's a possibility that you you may see Mass win by multiple touchdowns. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's, it's even part of the discussion. It's, it's sort of surprising and, and a testament to just how good this this Tiger team really is. You mentioned the high expectations, Chris, and I, I remember reading this back in August, uh, one of your preview stories, where I forget which player it was, but a player was openly talking about a title. And I don't know if I even commented to Joe at the time or just thought to myself, wow, you don't see that from around here often from high school kids or or the coach kind of endorsing it and letting that go if if a kid does do that it's usually you know the coach like hey you cringe a little yeah, bit <laughs> yeah let, let's let's cool that but i mean it seemed like fully embraced and maybe that's what this team needed to do to make sure it had that swagger and and could fulfill its potential to to not beat around the bush and be up front hey this is what we want to do yeah this this team uh, they haven't forgotten they may not talk about it much now, but I don't think they've forgotten what happened last November in that Winton Woods game. I mean, you're up three touchdowns, and before it's all over, you're getting running clocked. I mean, you don't see that too often. Quite a reversal of fortune. You see that in the NBA, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but uh, you know, it, it. I think that memory plus. Just the number of kids they had coming back. You know, I, I was going through in the, the off season, not just the number of returning starters 
of guys who actually started, you know, a majority of the games, but just guys who have starting experience on this Maslin team coming in the season was, uh, you know, it just set itself up for this kind of kind of type of season when you, especially when you threw in that. The Division One kids on this team, Jameer Thomas and and Trayvon Morgan and Jaden Ballard, and on and on. You know, it, it is. It's it, it's it's kind of the perfect storm, and and it's it's done some hurricane level damage to a lot of opponents. When you look at McKinley, Joe, though, uh, I think kind of the opposite. When the season began, there there was not a lot of expectations necessarily on this group. They did get hit fairly hard by graduation. There were a lot of question marks. Um, they were going to be open in the season on the road at Warren, so you didn't even know how that was going to go. So I think the fact that the Bulldogs got to eight, no, probably surprised a lot of people. Yeah, and and Dan Reardon mentioned it yesterday at the luncheon club that this is the fewest amount of returning Letterman he's ever had. He became a head coach in in 2004, I think, with with Ursuline. Uh, and uh, they had they lost ten starters on defense. They lost nine starters on offense. So. And so I was actually surprised when he was, was talking beginning of the season before it even started about how good they had a chance to be because I think I just figured well this is probably a rebuilding year and that and you know at McKinley that might be a six and four season but you're right I mean they they, they really developed and I think they've um, they've reached their potential um, as well as you can expect a team that young and inexperienced to to do and and uh, you know I mean it, it you know Dan Reed does a lot of deserves a lot of credit because this is his fourth year and he lost a ton from that that team and it just shows how strong his program is and and again it just goes back to the fact that like any other team in Stark County um, you know they're going to be favored against in week 10 but um, you know the, you run up against special teams and and uh, you know from Maslin's standpoint you know they're regardless of whether they win this week they, they, I think they're looking at probably two teams in Ohio in Division Two that, that have a chance of beating them. Chris, you wanted to jump in on something on that one? Yeah, you know what? I look at this McKinley team just sort of from the outside. It reminds me a lot of Maslin last year. You know, when we were talking about Maslin at the beginning of last season, it was look at all the holes they have to fill. Only a couple of guys that you could really count on. Small senior class. Not that McKinley has a small senior class, but expecting a lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors to have to really grow up fast. And Dan even acknowledged to me when I talked to him earlier this week that there are a lot of similarities just in the way, you know, the, the fast track this team is, this McKinley team has gone on compared to the fast track Maslin went on a year ago. And, uh, you know, I, I wonder how many programs you would see that kind of, you know, I wonder if it's, it has to be a testament, like you say, to Dan's coaching, but also just, I, I think. The two programs there, I think it's you know the, the sort of you don't say it in the water, but but it's sort of you know when you're that kind of program, you know there really is not necessarily rebuilding as much as reloading, even you know even with as, as much as McKinley had to you know had to fill. The expectations obviously, you know, really feed each program and keep them going. We'll continue talking McKinley Maslin in a moment. The Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, October 26th, when Jackson hosts Hoover. Kickoff 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. And for the first time this season, we'll have a bonus game Saturday when McKinley meets Maslin. The Old Carolina pregame show starts at 1.30 
followed by kickoff at 2. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, and Todd Porter provide the call each Friday. And uh, as we as we look to the kickoff Saturday at 2 with McKinley and Maslin, Joe, what, uh, what impact do you think last week is going to have on the Bulldogs? It's a good question because I feel like last last year when McKinley lost um, that week night game to Perry, they lost a little bit of their swagger and their confidence. They, they look like a totally different team to me when I saw them play Maslin. And, and Maslin was, I mean, Nate Moore will even admit, they were very conservative. They were trying to pound it and keep it close and find a way to win that game because they knew they weren't probably player for player as good. And uh, so I, I would I would hope to see some anger out of out of McKinley's players and some you know just people are doubting them this week, including me. And and I would hope they would, that would just give them a chip on their shoulder because I think last year's team played their best when they were cocky and they were the the favorite. And uh, we'll see what happens this year um, when they're the underdog. And sometimes that rolls a little bit easier, um, especially coming off a loss. We know that each team, you know is led by a really strong senior for McKinley. It's it's Elijah Curtis, Jameer Thomas for for Maslin. Looking at each team's we'll go with you first, Chris. What uh who are maybe two other guys that that you think could have a big big impact on the game for Maslin besides the obvious of Thomas? Uh Trey Morgan, I, I think uh you know, it, it's amazing where both these teams they have two really good receivers and neither, and in any case, they don't get them both at the same time. Have big games, whether it's Woody and Ross from McKinley or, or Morgan and Ballard. But uh, I think Trey Morgan, you know, that size. You look at McKinley's defensive backs; they're not. Uh, I think the tallest is maybe six foot. So, uh, and we saw it last year in the game. I mean, Trey made a, a huge catch in the end zone to to give Maslin a chance to take the lead there in the fourth quarter. And then uh, on defense, I think Max Turner. Uh, I think he has developed into gone back to playing. You know, the type of cornerback I think a lot of people in Maslin thought they'd see out of him all season. He's been banged up middle of the season, but three picks in the last three games, two of which he's brought back for touchdowns. And and he's a guy that, you know, he's big, he's physical, and if they can put him on Woody or Ross, depending on on, on how they align their, their defense and or how McKinley lines offensively, uh, you know, that if he can take one of those guys away, that that's a that's a huge benefit for Maslin. That Maslin secondary is uh, front and center in the mind of Elijah Curtis, McKinley's quarterback. He talked about how good it was in a story that will be in the Wednesday repository and also up on FridayNightOhio.com. So I think uh, the Bulldogs are, are well aware of that secondary. Joe, uh, for you on the looking at McKinley throwing out Curtis, you kind of if you're McKinley, you're expecting him to do what he's been doing, which is you know completing 65 percent of his passes, throwing for close to 200 yards, and not turning the ball over. So you, you know, I guess you're taking that for granted. You're going to get that. Who who else do they need? Who are two other guys that you think will need to be front and center? I, I think um, you know first of all. McKinley's a big play offense. They've been that way all year. They you know they score off explosive deep plays, and so Kyrie Woody is the most explosive player on their team. Um, you know he's a guy that you know he's put up 200 yard games. He can score anytime he touches the ball, and they they might need a player or two like that. And uh, I mean sticking with offense, I mean Lumiere Garrett is is 
He had five straight games of at least 100 yards until last week. I think he had 83 against Perry. And um, if if they run the ball, they're good. And if they don't, then they're going to be in trouble because they're going to need to score. I mean, we've said this all year. Maslin scores. They, they lead the county by a million points um, <laughs> in points per game. I think Sandy Valley is the only team that's close. Yeah, you're not hoping to win this game 9-6. <laughs> And, you know, they're also the stingiest defense in, in the county, although some of that probably is is skewed by a couple of blowout wins, you know, overmatched teams. But I think they're, you know, I think their defense is really good. But I think I think McKinley can score and has to score. And uh, so you can talk about other things. But if, if Lemire Garrett and Kyrie Woody don't have big games, I don't know. I, I don't see how, the, how they could win that game. We'll uh, look to you right now for picks from each of you guys. Uh, obviously, uh, Joe's picks will be in Thursday's first down section. Uh, if you catch it early here, what uh, who are you looking at picking, Joe? Well, I mean, I'll pick Maslin just, and I think probably by two touchdowns. And I, I don't know that it'll be like a fifty-six to forty-five game. I don't think rivalry games ever really unfold like that, um, except in the Big Twelve. Except in the Big Twelve, but uh, you know, I, I think thirty-five twenty-one could be the type of game that you see, and and uh, you know. But I will say this: if you're if you're a McKinley fan, I thought there was no way Maslin wins last year's game. And they did. And so that shows you that they're a rivalry. And I think the three games between Nate Moore and, and, and Reardon are it was five points. It was five points. I remember reading that in one of your guys' stories recently. Yeah, it was two points, I think, the previous two years and one point last year. So yeah, that just shows you that, that there's not a lot of difference here. And, and you know both these coaches have won state titles, so they know what it takes to, to match up against teams. Chris, uh, what, uh, what are you looking at as your prediction for the game? Well, I never get this game right, so this is good news for you, McKinley fans. Uh, but but I, I agree with Joe. I think the Tigers win. Um, I just think they're they're a, a slightly more complete, slightly more you know much more experienced football team at this point, and and I just. I think Maslin wins. It's at home also, and and as anybody who's, who's covered that game, it just seems like when it's in Maslin, it's just the energy level in the whole the whole stadium is just a little bit higher, and I think the Tigers feed off of that and win. And, and you know, ten points, fourteen points, is, and, and I agree. I don't think it's a high scoring game, but uh, I think it's it's somewhere in that that neighborhood, thirty five twenty one or something like that. We'll look at a couple of other Week 10 rivalry games in just a moment. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive continues next week for Week 10 at Louisville and Central Catholic, which is actually this week. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Trailers will be open from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. through Thursday this week and from 7 a.m. to noon on Friday. Uh... Big game Friday night in the Federal League, Hoover and Jackson. Basically a, a, a playoff game with the, the winner most likely getting to play into Week 11. And in the case of Hoover, if Hoover wins, it uh, grabs a share of the Federal League title. So a real big deal for the Vikings on that end. They have not won a piece of the Federal League since 2008, which is probably about as long of a drought as Hoover has had. What, uh, what are you looking at from that one, Joe? Well, I, I, this is a great game. Boy, you know, it gets overshadowed a little bit, but I think there's two other games in Star County um, that are really great. Um, Hoover, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a playoff game. I think Hoover's road is a little bit tougher just because Region 7 is historically strong. I think it's about 50-50 if they win. Jackson's probably about 70% just because there aren't as many teams in Region 1. But, um, yeah, we, we've really seen Hoover... Um, 
kind of go from a, a solid team to a really good one this year, and I, I think it'd be a shame if they don't make the playoffs. And I mean, obviously, you have to win on Friday. Um, Connor Ashby, sophomore quarterback, has just emerged as a huge star in this in this county, and um, you know they, they've just got a lot of weapons on offense, and they've got a lot of just good seniors that kind of go under the radar. And um, not Luke Vaness not being one of them, he's going to Ohio University, but like a lot of like other guys that that are just you know, making up a good team around them. And I think Jackson is the same way. I mean, they've been a little bit overshadowed this year just because they have three losses, but boy, they're just big and physical and, and uh, they've totally changed their approach to what they were last year. They were an explosive high scoring team. Now they're a physical run oriented too tight end, grind it out, you know, and then shut them down on defense kind of team. And, and uh, so it's a really fun matchup, and I, this game is always fun. But I think the last two years have been really good, including last year's game, which went to overtime and ended on the one yard line. Um, so um, I, I'm really looking. I think I'm at this game, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I think in some ways, um, I expect it to be the best game in, in the county this weekend. Chris, uh, you've been talking to Coach Bud throughout the season. What uh, what are you thinking on the Hoover Jackson? I think it's. Uh... I think it's going to come down to up front. I mean, I know that's cliched, but boy, with these two football teams, you know, you talk about big, physical, you talk about Jackson being big and physical. And, and Tim Bud even told me when, when I talked to him earlier this week, he goes, as big and physical as we are up front, Hoover's bigger. And, you know, the, so I really think it's, if if Jackson can get that push up front on offense, you know to to, to continue to run the ball like they have the last few weeks, uh, you know I, I think they have a chance. But you know if Hoover can continue to control the line of scrimmage and give Ashby time and 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 all of that, uh, you know, boy, I mean the way Hoover has been playing of late, I. I you know, I don't want to take anything away from Jackson, but you know that's you know I think that that becomes sort of a tall order if they if Jackson can get uh, can get some pressure on Ashby and and on the other side you know run the football and, and control some of the clock. Joe, I know when you've been talking to federal league coaches throughout the season, the one thing they've talked about with both teams when the, when it's been their turn to play them, including Coach Reardon with McKinley, was how big and physical they were up front. So it really is no surprise if, you know, what Chris is talking about is that it is going to be decided up front because that has been the, the hallmark for each team. Yeah, I mean, and, and <laughs> I think there was a great quote from green coach uh, John Wallace last week before Jackson. He said, I think we're going to be outweighed by 100 pounds <laughs> that was, in that every was position. <laughs> and uh, he, he wasn't laughing when he said it. Um, <laughs> we are, but <laughs> we didn't have to line up or coach it. But yeah, and then that's the thing. I mean, it, it just goes down to this. So much of this game is if you can shove the guy in front of you over, like it doesn't matter what scheme you run. I mean, Keith Wakefield has shown that the last couple of years at Perry, like they were just so big and physical. And he always liked to talk, talk about how they weren't athletic and blah, blah, blah. And you're like rolling your eyes because he just had some maulers up front. And that's what that's what Jackson and Hoover both have this year. And and that's been the key to what they've done. And, and uh, so, yeah, I would think this is going to be a very physical football game. Another uh, big Week 10 game, Joe. Marlington Alliance and the EBC. Uh, just like Hoover Jackson, winner take all. In this case, both teams have, you know, will 
are playing for the league title, and it'll be an outright league title. They're the only two unbeaten teams in the first year of the EBC. And the winner most likely will get into the playoffs. In Marlington's case, I think they're definitely in if they win. Alliance may still need some help if, if they win the game. They're both in Division Three, Region 9. Um, we've been talking with, when Cliff's been in here, Cliff Hickman from the repository, you know, all season kind of leading up to this, thinking this would be the showdown. And, and here we get it. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think before the season even started, we're like, well, we we think Marlinton and Alliance would be the class of EBC. And yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. But um, Alliance is probably a little bit of a surprise just how well they've played, because I think they lost a ton to graduation last year. And uh, Marlington, you know, they... They've uh, they've taken care of business all year. I think they'll probably enter this game as a little bit of a favorite, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, frankly, region region nine is another one of those regions that uh, it's just it's really tough to get in. And I would like to see both these teams to get in because we talked about all year they play tough non league schedules. They definitely set themselves up mm-hmm. to, to be a position. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a scenario where Alliance wins this game and doesn't get in, and and I don't like that at all. But um, you know, it, it's it, this is what Week Ten is supposed to be about—the two best teams playing each other and, and deciding it—and and that's what we're going to get. One other matchup we're going to mention from Week Ten, and really five weeks ago, I don't know that this would have been on the radar, other than it being a rivalry game. But but Chris uh, Fairless and, and Tusla in Week Ten, and the, the Mustangs red hot here down the stretch. It started with a, a big win for them against CVCA, which I think caught a lot of Pac Seven observers off guard uh that was coming on the heels of tussla losing to manchester losing to oroville losing to loudonville uh kind of getting blown out in the, the latter two if i recall and, and then they you know they turn the tables and knock off a good cvca team with some you know big time athletes and, and then uh kind of keep it rolling they get the big win last week against northwest which i think again surprised people what uh, what's your thoughts on fairless tussla a blue cup you've seen many a time don't 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 sleep on the blue cup <laughs> but uh no in all seriousness if you would have told me three weeks ago that four weeks ago that you know this game was going to be somebody was going to get into the playoffs by winning this football game i've been like we're talking about fairless tussle right but uh, you know it's credit to mark Golling and and everybody in that tussle football program because the way they started the first half of the season you know they could have gone in the tank i mean they could have it could have been more woe is us you know more bad things coming but boy they have an outstanding running back in briar marthy the, you know the defense is 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 making plays i mean just you know and here they are they get a home game against their arch rival win and, and get in and, and and see what they're doing and you know that's all you can ask for and you know, I think the nucleus of this team is fairly young, even so. You know, maybe sort of like McKinley in some regards. They're 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 getting you know they're arriving a little bit ahead of schedule, and and for them, I mean, I, I great for them and, and a great opportunity for them because you know they had to watch their arch rival last year celebrating you know, an eight win season and and a playoff berth. Now they get the opportunity to potentially do the same uh, this year. I got to uh, imagine Mark Golding, one of the more underrated coaching jobs this season. Uh, just, you know, I don't think people, have, like you said, thought about Tussla, but just thinking of that turnaround, you lose to Loudonville 41 to 7 on the heels of already losing fairly big mm-hmm. to, to other top teams, Orville and Manchester. And then you, you turn that around in one week 
And then it's not a fluke. You, you know, you back that up by yeah. keeping on the winning, the winning ways there, and it's impressive by him, by Coach Gulling and his staff. It is, and and credit to the kids also. I mean, I think a lot of times we give all the credit to the coaches, but but you know, yeah, the kids have to buy in. They have to buy in, and and it's easy. You know, I've been there. You know, it's easy when you look and half your season's gone, and you got a losing record, and you're getting dump trucked on uh, regularly on Friday nights. And, Nobody uses dump truck more effectively than Chris Easton. <laughs> By the way, continue. Uh, and, uh, you know, it'd be easy to give up, especially because you know you still have to play CBCA. But right. With, with a, if I recall, their running back's going to UC and is a Trey Tucker's a, going, a, going a, to elite state level sprinter. I mean, so right state, there, you're state like, champion. Yeah. Division two state so champion. You're so. dealing with that after you had trouble with some high, you know, high octane offenses and, and they and haven't missed a beat. They haven't missed a beat. You know, again, sort of just old school, you know, kind of like Jackson, just old school lineup, smash mouth football. And, you know, I'd be fascinated. I don't know exactly how the pairings are going to go, but if they can win this game, they'll get a rematch with a Manchester team that really for three quarters you know until Ethan Wright did Ethan competitive Wright th- game. you know Ethan Wright did Ethan Wright things uh, uh, in, in the fourth quarter uh, you know it was a great game so so who knows I mean but uh, first they obviously have to worry about Fairless and, and I'm uh, again it's, it's sort of an, an amazing turnaround for the Mustangs that's what we come to expect in Stark County, though, is some meaningful Week 10 football, and we'll definitely get that. A reminder, the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week this week, powered by iHeartRadio for Friday, October 26th, is Hoover at Jackson. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. And a bonus game this week, Saturday, McKinley at Maslin with the Old Carolina pregame show, starting at 1.30. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive returns in Week 10 at Louisville and Central Catholic. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout this week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Check back for another podcast late Friday night. For Joe Scalzo and Chris Easterling, I'm Chris Bevin.